I don't know if you know this, but it's great to be back. I was on an 11-day trip to, to Africa. I got back last, not this yesterday Saturday, but the Saturday before. And what we do there is we go to encourage uh, indigenous pastors and leaders, church leaders. We do a couple conferences. Uh, we also, one of the things we do is uh, we've planted a number of churches there over the years. And we're looking at planting another one or two. And we actually met with a couple couples, church planting couples. And uh, so what we do is, uh, you know, we, we see where they're at spiritually and all that. But, but most important is how their marriage is going. Because we believe this, you know, uh, how a person's or, or, or a couple's marriage goes, especially a church planting couple, they're going to be the lead couple, uh, so goes the church. That's just how it works. Um, uh, so, so, and I'm convinced, you know, as marriage goes, so goes the family, and as the family goes, so goes society. But it all kind of starts with the marriage. Now, the good news is, the good news is about marriage is um, uh, the divorce rate is down. It's around 40, maybe a little less than 40 percent. Uh, that's great. Uh, if you're shooting three-pointers in basketball, uh, that's a great percentage. 60 percent is, is, is a great percentage, right? But if you're kicking field goals for the Seahawks or Niners, you're gone, right? So, so uh, uh, there's still, you know, a lot of work to do in marriage. And, you know, when somebody gets divorced, anyone know anybody who's been divorced? Anyone? I mean, I think probably most of our hands go up, right? Maybe that happened in our family. Maybe it happened to, to a neighbor's family, whatever. Uh, but I know this, especially as a pastor for many years, um, it is very, very painful, especially for the side who doesn't want it. It's one of the most painful, excruciating, shame-filled events in someone's life. And as a church, we need to get around those people and love them through that ordeal so they can be whole again. Make sense? Okay. Um, now, um, you know what the primary cause of divorce is? Three words. No fun anymore. Got it? No fun anymore. Okay? Um, uh, think about it. Why did you get married if you're married? Why did you get married, ladies, guys? Because he was fun, right? And she was fun. You just wanted to be around him all the time. It was so much fun, right? And about the two-year mark, things started kind of go south a little bit, you know. But that, that is what it is. Um, she was fun to be around. He was fun to be around. And sex. Sex. What a gift from God. Hallelujah. In the context of a committed marriage relationship between one man and one woman, I won't go there today. Okay? But I believe that. Okay? I was at a conference uh, not too long ago. Uh, it, was, it was right here. It, it, here it was called the Transformational Leadership Conference. Uh, Pastor Stan invited me in. And this guy, this speaker, uh, he gave us a little graph on, on, on men's sex drive. So from 0 to 18 men, it kind of goes like this. You, 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 you know, it goes like this. And about 18, you're, it, it stands about right there. And then uh, over the years, you know, it's like 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, and then you die. Right? <laughs> That's how it works. I thought, man, I guess, you know. Uh, but that's a whole message on its own as well. Uh, but, but think about it. Why would you marry someone if they weren't any fun? If you do, that's just destined for failure. It really is. Okay? 
You know what? One of my primary reasons I decided to become a pastor here, I mean, I had a say in it, right? Uh, even as Pastor Stan and I, we talked for, for a number of years, actually, about this whole thing. Um, uh, what's really interesting is um, the primary reason, one of the primary reasons is I observed Pastor Stan and Karen's marriage. They're fun. They're constantly having fun. They're going on, like last summer, I don't know if you, you follow Facebook, them on Facebook, but they did like 550 walks together, you know. They're constantly drooling over one another. They love each other deeply, and that's very attractive. I knew they had a very healthy marriage, and so they got a pretty doggone healthy church. Would you agree? Yeah, isn't that awesome? So, so that's, that, that, that's so, but here's the deal. It all starts with Christ. And that's where we're going today. In Christ, marriage matters. And I want to go deep into this in Ephesians chapter 5. There's a passage on marriage. But to do so, um, we need to first go back to Genesis chapter 2, where marriage all started. And Genesis chapter 3, where it got all messed up. Okay? Um, really, the man and the woman were cursed by God. And marriage has suffered ever since, friends. Okay? So... In fact, properly understood and applied, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33, is a cure for the curse that came in Genesis chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, uh, you just want to toggle back and forth between this, because that's what I'm going to do. Uh, the words will be on the screen as well. Uh, but but, but let, 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 let's go there. First, Genesis chapter 2. I'll just recap a little bit. I want to give you, really, I want to give you from Ephesians some cures for the marriage, uh, cures and blessings for the marriage curse, but uh, Genesis chapter 2 says this, 15 to 18. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Not good, uh, translated from the original Hebrew when I took like uh, three years of that in, in seminary, um, uh, it just means no fun. Okay, got it? My seminary teacher, teacher probably wouldn't agree with that, but that's okay. okay? It's not good, it's no fun for a man to be alone. Okay, and then in verses 21 to 23, God makes the woman Eve, and Adam is overwhelmed. Whoa, man, this is awesome, right? And, and, and so it's, it's incredible. Now, you got that. Now, here comes Genesis chapter 3 and the serpent. Satan, really, who was on a seek and destroy mission, and his primary target is marriage and families. Promise you that. Okay, that's what he does. So it says, says this, says this in, in chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, just follow along with me. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the servant said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit 
of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who, by the way, was with her and he ate it too. Okay, you got that? Okay, now in verse one, the devil twists and misquotes God's word. He does that and get this, a lie is always more believable with some truth mixed in. It doesn't work without some truth. Got that? Okay, um, but in verses 2 and 3, uh, Eve corrects Satan, and she actually paraphrased God's words pretty much perfectly, so we know she gets it. We know she gets it, right? Uh, and that's what we have to think about a little bit. We can get God's word, but not apply it, right? And then in verse 6, it's clear Adam is a spiritual wimp because he is passively watching this all happen, watching his awesome bride get taken to the cleaners by Satan, and he even eats some too. Amazing, isn't it? What happened? What a wimp! Like, my goodness. They both knew what God said, just didn't revere what God said. They didn't revere God's word. So right here is what caused the curse and the mess in so many marriages. But in Ephesians chapter 5, it, it, you know, is the cure and the blessing to marriage. And, and if we look at, at Adam and Eve, the, foundation, the foundational problem is reverence. Reverence for God and his word. So what I want to do from Ephesians chapter 5 uh, is offer three cures and blessings for marriage. And, and, and the first um, step and cure uh, for this mess is reverence. It has to do with reverence. Okay? Uh, says, says here, in fact, in fact, that's the first cure and blessing of your message. Mutual submission and revering Christ together. Okay? Mutual submission and revering Christ together. Verse 21, Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence is right there. Reverence. The healthiest and funnest marriages I've ever seen are when a couple is committed and submitted to Christ and to one another together. Old saying, the couple who prays together stays together. God gave my wife and I a gift uh, right early on in, in, in our relationship. We were, we were very good friends. Uh, we started just connecting with each other. We, we were just friends back in, in, in 1987. And for about eight months, we just did a lot of things together. Just friends. But then all of a sudden, one day, I felt these feelings that were beyond friendship. And I went up probably a week or two just holding those back. But I was seeing her stuff, and I wouldn't reveal those feelings. Right? Well, one night I decided I got I got, I got to be honest. I got to be honest and reveal these feelings. So I went and picked her up. We went and got something to eat, and then we went. We were up in Seattle. We went around Green Lake. I don't know if you're familiar familiar with the area, but we walked all the way around Green Lake. It was three miles. And during the whole time, I was saying, "Tell her, Brad. Tell her, Brad." You know, you got this little conversation going on in your mind. You know, "Tell her, Brad." And I was such a wimp, right? I didn't tell her. I went around the whole like three miles. I didn't tell her. I get in the car. I go, Brad, you were such a wimp. You know, she's right there. So I take her home, stop at, at, at her house, drop her off in front of her place. And I'm thinking either now or never, baby, this is it. So I said, okay, I mustered all the courage I could. And I, Ann, 
I got something to tell you. What is it? Uh, I have feelings for, for you that are more than, you know, just friendship. So I just needed to say that, so I guess it's over. So see you later. Have a good night. Right? She goes, well, what if I have feelings for you too more than friendship? Really? <laughs> Me? And we held hands. She said, I guess, she said, I guess we better pray about it. So we held hands. And friends, from a guy who, I mean, I was saved about a year before, year and a half before, I was in, 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 in a lifestyle that was just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We held hands. And in that moment was the most intimate moment. We prayed for God's will to be done in our relationship and who knows what else, right? And it was the most intimate moment I'd ever experienced with a woman in my life. It was unbelievable. Wow. We didn't kiss for four and a half months. We, you know, uh, eight months after that we got married and, you know, we've been interacting. We've been submitting to one another, revering Christ together. I mean, she has ideas, right? She has ideas that are like not my ideas, and I'd rather do this. Goes, Honey, I think we ought to do that. Okay. That's okay. I'll, I'll go with that. Sometimes a little harder, but we submit to one another. That's how relationships work. It's called reciprocity. It works that way. It doesn't work really any other way. It even works in some ways with God that way. Mutual submission Revering Christ together. I have a son-in-law now. Last, actually, uh, Roger married him and, 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 and my, my daughter. Uh, he came over the other day. Uh, he's been saving 700 bucks for, for an Apple Watch. Anybody interested in those things? You know, that's kind of cool. You know? So, so uh, uh, he had a $700 saved, and um, uh, he was going to go out and buy an Apple Watch. My daughter says, I think we should probably spend that money, just apply it to those student loans you have. Ugh. To his credit, he said, okay. Right? That's submitting to one another. And honoring God with your finances. Right? You could say so much more. Okay, but listen, if you get this one right, the rest is pretty easy and such a blessing. But if not, it can get really dicey. Look at uh, 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 Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now listen. <laughs> I'd rather not deal with this. <laughs> really. This verse makes a lot of women mad. And I'd rather not, ha not have anyone mad at me. Especially women. Okay. And now I understand why Pastor Stan had me actually preach this particular section of text. <laughs> He's over at Sherwood watching the video. No, not really. He would do it. He, he agrees with me on this matter. Uh, but why does it say that? Why does it say that? This verse is where God orders wives to be their husband's maid, right? Stepford wives. No. Some guys think that would be great, but that's a messed up man who thinks that, folks. I mean, a really messed up man. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, this verse has been misinterpreted and used to abuse women um, uh, for centuries. It's made submission seem like a curse when God meant it for a blessing. Really. Okay. 
a huge marital blessing. Why is this anywhere? Well, uh, look, look back in Genesis chapter 3, uh, when God issues his curse to the woman. Uh, very, very interesting stuff goes on here. Okay? Um, Genesis 3, um, verse 16, says this. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With pain, you will give birth to children. Ladies, who here has ever had a baby? I mean, is that it? Just like one or two of you? <laughs> who can attest that this curse is for real? Anyone? It's for real, isn't it? Whether it's natural or C-section, it's for real. It's painful to have a baby, isn't it? Hey? Yeah. Okay? So we get this curse. We believe this curse. We embrace this curse. We say, oh, I wish it wasn't so. Right? But the last part of verse 16 says, your desire will be for your husbands and he will rule over you. Now listen, I took about three years of Greek, excuse me, Hebrew, three years of Hebrew in seminary, and that's not a good rendering of the original Hebrew. Okay? A better rendering of the, the original Hebrew is your desire will be to rule over your husband. Ladies, is it true? You just want to tell him what to do, and if he shut up and do it, it'd be okay, right? <clears throat> Everything will be fine. Yeah. It's a curse, ladies. It's a curse. It really is. But that's the logical consequence of Eve's action. When she grabbed the apple, she seized the spiritual leadership of the family. Yes, Adam let her, let her and ever since, uh, it, it's been a real problem. Okay? I see this all too often. Many wives and, and want their husbands to lead, but he's nowhere to be found. And that's a sad deal. Okay? Then often, they're not, he's not coming to church. He's you know, at home playing video games or, or you know, doing something else, watching football or boxing or you know, the Kentucky Derby or whatever it is, you know. But uh, uh, so, so women get together, they pray for this husband to come. And then he comes to church. Wow. And then he comes to Jesus. And then he begins to grow. And then he's connecting with some men at the church. And then the wife gets a bee in her bonnet about something in the church. Right? Maybe the leadership. She says, we're leaving this church. We got to go. God is leading us somewhere else. Blame it on God. And he passively says, okay, okay. Because he's not strong enough yet to lead her. And she won't let him anyway. And friends, that's sad. That is a sad deal. It's a tragedy. Basically what she's saying is, honey, have a bite of the apple still good still desirable it'll give us wisdom god will lead us where to go and all the while she's being deceived by the devil still okay this is this is this is crazy folks okay many many it, it, this happens wives unknowingly i'm going to say this decide to wear the pants in the family and it's not pretty okay friends it's not fun either 
So here's the deal. Ladies, please, go to God out of reverence for Christ. Go to him and ask him to make you willing because here's the deal. If you will, you will not willingly submit to your husband, you are really not submitting to Christ and you will perpetuate the curse and not partake in the blessing. But if you willing, willingly submit to, to God as God commands in Ephesians 22 and, and let him lead, there are so many blessings. Ephesians 5, 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. This is the second cure, the second cure. Women, the wife's willing spiritual submission. And really, you can't make anyone submit, but in the Greek... The word for submission is a word called upotasso, upotasso, okay? Uh, in my Greek lexicon, it says this, voluntarily leading, or excuse me, voluntarily yielding in love. Voluntarily, not forced. Voluntary. I mean, you can't make anyone love someone else, can you? But you can't make anyone submit either, okay? That's just how it works. That's just how it works. I've seen this. I've seen women finally get this. Lisa, over at our Sherwood campus, I knew her since about 2005. She warred against this whole idea. Finally, one day, her husband called and said, Brad, you know, and they were in my office all the time, and, oh, man, this is painful. Finally, husband calls, says, Brad, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. Can you talk to my wife? He shared what was going on. I said, you know, what Fred is asking of you, Lisa, is very reasonable. I don't understand why you don't want to submit to him. You know, you're not submitting to him means you're not submitting to the Lord. You're not obeying the Lord. And that's, that's something you're going to have to, that's between you and God. You've got to deal with that. And somehow that got to her. And uh, she finally started to go there and submit, and it's been a great joy to watch her countenance change, her disposition change, her spirit sweeten. I mean, it's been amazing, folks. It really has. I just took her to Uganda with us to actually, and she wanted to teach on this particular verse how important it is, how it changes your life, because it's a blessing. Isn't that awesome? Like, wow, that's what God does. Praise the Lord. I love that. It's so important. See, here's the deal. It takes a much stronger, more mature woman spiritually to submit, to voluntarily yield in love than it does to resist. It's actually spiritually and emotionally immature to resist. Okay. I've heard submission explained this way. Sub, that's under mission. Under the mission of God. God has put an order together. That's how it, how it is. And I've seen so many strong women in the church get this, come under the mission of God and their husbands. They become pillars in the church and society. Karen Russell certainly is one. Um, you know, Lisa Scarra, Beth Yancey, I, I've been interacting with her. It's just a beautiful spirit. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Leesman. Got a number of over the, 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 the Sherwood campus as well. My, my, my wife. I could go on and on. And there's an inner beauty that is so pure and special, ladies. Find one of these strong, mature ladies and have them mentor you if you struggle with this issue. It's so important, okay? I love 1 Peter 3, 16. 
excuse me, 3, 1 through 6 says this, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. I mean, don't nag him. Just pray for him. Okay? When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, it says, they'll go, wow. Your reading should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry and, and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of old, who put their hope in, hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husband, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham. Okay. Beauty. Our world has a messed up understanding of what real beauty is. Outward or inward? Sure, there's head-turning women. But here's the question, ladies. Do you want to be a head-turner or a heart-changer? Okay. A woman's head-turning years are few and fleeting. This is how it works. Okay. But a holy woman's heart-changing impact lasts forever. The holy women of old wives. Wives, willingly submit to your husband, and you'll be counted among the holy women of old. I just love that. So beautiful, so blessed. So, so important. But that's based, it's all based on the first, uh, first blessing. Okay? Mutual submission, revering Christ together. Got it, ladies, wives? Now, men, now, men, you thought you probably got off the hook, men. You're going, thanks, Brad, for letting my wife know this. That's what I've been trying to tell her for years. Right? But here's yours, men. It's the third cure for blessing for marriage, okay? Uh, only you can do. Men demonstrate sacrificial love and lead spiritually. Lead spiritually. Okay? So so important. It says it right here, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. It goes on, right? Christ is our Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives also submit to their husbands and everything. Then, then you know, I mean, th this is just so, so key. So key. There's an order. There's an order. This, all, what this really means is we need to show sacrificial love to our wife. We be, need to be willing to die for our wife. It says this, says this in verse 25. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow. Isn't that amazing? We need to love our wives the same way Christ loved us and died for us. Men, you need to be willing to die for your wife and for your family. That's leadership. Willing to die. Lay down your life for your wife. Physically, for sure, us men to be willing to, to lay down our life for our wives and family. That's sacrificial love, men. Uh, we need to be willing to provide for our wife and family, provide for security for our wives. And get this, leadership and passivity are oxymorons. They can't coexist together. They can't. Remember Adam? He passively watched Eve interact and get taken by the serpent. It says he was with her, passively. Okay, honey, whatever. That works. One of our greatest problems, one of our greatest problems in our world is spiritually passive men. Honestly, 
They're not that attractive. Really. And the reason is this is a very hard curse for women. Look at uh, uh, Genesis 3, 17 to 19. Genesis 3, 17 to 19. It says this. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and were passive and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and sistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Okay? Now listen, work itself is not a curse. It was happening in Genesis chapter 2 as Adam was called to work in the garden. Work's a gift from God, but here it gets cursed, and men take the brunt of it. Okay? You know, this, this is really the curse for men for work, men get work all messed up. Many men don't want to go to work these days, especially. They don't, okay? Um, uh, uh, many are spending way too much time on video games. They are. I've seen it, okay? And being couch potatoes. I've made this observation. I don't see too many women playing video games. Isn't that interesting? Women know how to work. They're working all the time. Okay? But men struggle with this. On the other hand, some men overwork. We really have a struggle with work. Either we don't work or we overwork, right? And we use our work as an escape, as a validation for who we are, a place to get away from our spouse. And our wife, especially, you know, uh, just can't feel the love. And therefore... Uh, she will not submit herself to our leadership or respect us. Ephesians 5.33 kind of sums it up. However, each one of you must love his wife and as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Must respect her husband. Okay. Love and respect. Sacrificial love, willing submission. Men, it all really starts with you. How do you love your wife sacrificially? Will you give up your life? Ian was talking to my son, Willie, uh, a few months ago, probably three, three months ago or something, maybe four months, five months ago, whatever it was, uh, she, he met the girl of his dreams. This is a godly young woman who we hope is the one. We really do because we love her, right? Yeah. But uh, Willie's 19. He's almost 20. He's at George Fox. They're down there. And he comes home and says to my wife, Mom, she wants me to give up spending so much time with my homies. I'm not going to do that. You know what my wife says? She's a holy woman of old. You know what she says? You will too. <laughs> yeah. When she says something like that, he, get, he got it. He got it. Changed everything. Yeah, it's a real blessing we got to give up stuff, guys. We need to give up a lot of things, sacrificially. We need, uh, we need to give up the thought that she's our maid or our mother's replacement. She's not. Okay? Then we need to put boundaries around our lives so we, 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 we don't do anything to endanger our marriage. Boundaries. I do not go out to lunch with a woman alone other than my wife, my daughter, my mom. That's it. 
I do not drive in a car with another woman alone. I live in my wife, my daughter, my mom. That's it. I don't share alone what's going on in my emotional life with a woman. Oh, it's so tough at home. My wife doesn't understand me anymore. That's like a recipe for disaster. Oh, you understand? Man, that's, that's just tough. You just don't do that, guys. You know, you don't do that, okay? We need to treat, treat our wives as our queen, holy and worthy. One of the most convicting verses, I, when I first read this, when I was married, it was like, oh my goodness. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Oh, I just had an argument with my wife. I treated her badly. I read this verse, I'm going, I'm like asking God a few favors, right? God's saying, Brad, I'm not even listening. You go make up with your wife. You go ask her for forgiveness. What you did was wrong. So I go to my wife, and I learned this, and I've done it a thousand times since. Honey, what I just said, that was wrong. That treated you wrongly and, and badly. Please forgive me. And you know what? She has forgiven me a thousand times. She's an awesome woman. Yeah. That's just how it works. That's just how it works. Okay? We live in a world, see, that embraces irreconcilable differences. That's the language used in legal documents to justify a divorce. But our God and our faith, and our Lord, and the cross, folks, says nothing is irreconcilable on this planet, especially relationships. I can do it if you submit to me. My question is, where are you? Where are you? Maybe you want to write on your connection card where you're at, where you're, you really need some, some, some help with this. One of these cures and blessings for marriage, I just say, look at that list. Look at that list. She'll be up there. Yeah, look at that list. Are you struggling with mutual submission? Are you struggling with reverence for Christ? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Boy, that's the starting point. That's the ultimate cure for the curse. Okay. The wife's willing submission. Ladies, do you struggle with that? Write it down. Admit it. It's a struggle. Men, are you loving sacrificially? Are you demonstrating that? Spiritual leadership? 